0: chapter 65 of the creators a comedy by mason claire this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter 65 there were people who knew for a fact that jane holland mrs hugh broderick had run away with george tanqueray the rumor ran through the literary circles shunned by tanqueray and jane the theory of her guilt was embraced with excitement by the dreadful clever little people not one of them would have confessed to a positive desire to catch her tripping but now that the thing had happened it satisfied the craving for complete vision of the celebrated lady it reduced considerably her baffling eminence and dispersed once for all the impenetrable irritating atmosphere of secrecy she had kept up there was george tanqueray too who had kept it up even longer and more successfully at last they had been caught the two so insolent in their swift evasion of pursuit their falls so to speak enabled the hunter to come up with them people who had complained that they could never meet them who had wanted to meet them solely that they might talk about them afterwards who had never been able to talk about them at all had now abundant material for conversation the rumor once it had fairly penetrated spread over london in five days it started in kensington ran thence all the way to chelsea skipped to bloomsbury and spread from these centres into belgravia and mayfair in three weeks the tale of george tanqueray and jane holland mrs hugh broderick had invaded hampstead and in the southwestern suburbs it was only confirmed by the contemptuous silence and curt denials of their friends arnott nicholson carol bickersteth nina lempriere and the protheroes in broderick's family it sank down deep below the level of permissible discussion but it revealed itself presently in an awful external upheaval utterly unforeseen and in a still more unforeseen subsidence there was first of all a split between mrs heron and the doctor the behavior of Eddy and winnie especially of Eddy, had got on the doctor's nerves he had confessed in a moment of intense provocation to having them eddie one evening had attacked violently the impermissible topic defending jinjin Jin in the presence of his younger sister from the unspeakable charge current in their suburb taxing his uncle with a monstrous credence of the impossible and trying to prove to him that it was impossible for the sake of the peace so beloved by brodrick's it was settled that frances and her children should live with poor dear john in the big house in augustus road brodrick then suggested that gertrude Colette might with advantage keep house for henry this arrangement covered the dreadful rupture the intolerable situation at moore grange gertrude had contributed nothing to the support of the rumor beyond an intimation that the rupture between her and the brodricks was dreadful and the situation intolerable the intimation as conveyed by gertrude was delicate and subtle to a degree all that she would admit in words was a certain lack of spiritual sympathy between her and mrs brodrick. It was felt in brodrick's family that concerning Jane and tanqueray, Gertrude Collette knew considerably more than she cared to say. And through it all, brodrick guarded his secret. The rumour had not yet touched him whom it most affected. It never would touch him, so securely the secret he guarded guarded him and though it had reached hampstead the rumor had not reached rose rose had her hands full for once with the prothero's helping mrs prothero to look after him for owen was ill dreadfully and definitely ill with an illness you could put a name to dr broderick was attending him owen had consulted him casually the year before and the doctor had then discovered a bell sound in his left lung now he came regularly once or twice a week all the way from putney in his motor car rose had positively envied laura who had a husband who could be ill who could be tucked up in bed and taken care of it was rose who helped laura to make prothero's big room look for all the world like the ward of a hospital dr broderick had wanted to take him away to a sanatorium but prothero had refused flatly to be taken anywhere the traveler was tired of traveling he loved with passion this place where he had found peace where his wandering genius had made its sanctuary and its home his repugnance was so violent and invincible that the doctor had agreed with laura that it would do more harm than good to insist on his removal she must do as best she could with he suggested the assistance of a trained nurse laura had very soon let him know what she could do she had winced visibly when she heard of the trained nurse it would be anguish to her to see another woman beside owen's bed and her hands touching him but she said she supposed she could bear even that if it would save him if it were absolutely necessary was it the doctor had admitted that it was not so if she insisted absolutely for the present but it was advisable if she wished to save herself laura had smiled then very quietly in twenty-four hours she showed him the great room bare and clean as the ward of a hospital rose was on her knees on the floor beeswaxing it the long rows of bookcases were gone so were the pictures he couldn't put his finger on a single small unnecessary thing laura cool and clean in a linen gown defied him to find a chink where a germ could lodge prothrow inquired gaily if they couldn't make a good fight there where could they make it henry although used to these combats was singularly affected as he looked upon the scene stripped as it was for the last struggle what moved him most was the sight of laura's little bed set under the north window and separated from her husband's by the long empty space between through which the winds of heaven rushed freely it showed him what the little thing was capable of day and night night and day the undying indomitable devotion that was the stuff a man wanted in his wife he thought of his brother hugh why on earth if he had to marry one of them hadn't he married her he was moved too and troubled by the presence there of tanqueray's poor little wife whatever view truth compelled you to take of jane's and tanqueray's relations tanqueray's wife had from first to last been cruelly wronged by both of them tanqueray's wife was so absorbed in the fight they were making as to be apparently indifferent to her wrongs and they judged that the legend of jane holland and george tanqueray had not reached her it had not and yet she knew it she had known it all the time that they had been together she had known it ever since in the innocent days before the rumor she had heard dr broderick telling mrs prothero that his sister-in-law had gone down to chagford for three months chagford was where he was always staying and in the days of innocence Addie ranger had let out that it was chagford where he was now she had given Rose his address, Post Office, Chagford. He had been there all the time when Rose had supposed him to be in Wiltshire and was sending all his letters there. She did not hear of Mrs. Broderick's return until a week or two after that event, for in the days no longer of innocence his sister-in-law was a sore subject with the doctor. And when Rose did hear it finally from Laura, by that time she had heard that Tanqueray was coming back too. He had written to her to say so. That was on a Saturday. He was not coming until Tuesday. Rose had two days in which to consider what line she meant to take. That she meant to take a line was already clear to Rose, perfectly clear, although her decision was arrived at through nights of misery so profound that it made most things obscure. It was clear that they could not go on as they had been doing. He might. Nothing seemed to matter to him, but she couldn't and she wouldn't not so she put it if it was ever so they had been miserable not that it mattered so very much whether she was miserable or no but that was it she had ended by making him miserable too it took some making for he wasn't one to feel things much he had always gone his own way as if nothing mattered by his beginning to feel things as she called it now she measured the effect she must have had on him it was all because she wasn't educated proper because she wasn't a lady he ought to have married a lady he ought she could see it now to have married someone like mrs broderick who could understand his talk and enter into what he did there was mr and mrs prothero now they were happy there wasn't a thing he could say or do or think but what she understood it why she'd understand time and again without his saying anything that came of being educated it came poor rose was driven back to it at every turn of being a lady she might have known how it would be and in a way she had known it from the first that was why she'd been against it and why uncle and aunt and her master and mistress down at fleet had been against it too but there she loved him lady or no lady she loved him as for his going away with mrs broderick she looked at it sensible she understood she saw the excuses that could be made for him she couldn't understand her she couldn't find one excuse for her behavior a married woman leaving her husband such a good man and her children her little helpless children and going off for weeks together with a married man let him be who he might be still if it hadn't been her it might have been somebody else somebody much worse it might have been that miss lempriere if she'd had a hold on him she'd not have let him go for deep-bedded in rose's obscure misery was the conviction that jane broderick had let him go her theory of jane's guilt had not gone much farther than the charge of deserting her little helpless children it was as if rose's imagination could not conceive of guilt beyond that monstrous crime and jane had gone back to her husband and children after all if it had been miss lempriere she would have been bound to have stuck she having nothing so to speak to go back to the question was what was george coming back to if it was to her rose he must know pretty well what he must know she kept repeating to herself he must know her line the sensible line that she had been so long considering was somehow to surprise and defeat his miserable foreknowledge by sunday morning she had decided on her line nothing would turn her she did not intend to ask anybody's advice nor to take it were it offered the line itself required the cooperation and in a measure the consent of aunt and uncle and on the practical head they were consulted she managed that on sunday afternoon then she remembered that she would have to tell mr and mrs Prothero. it was on sunday evening that she told them she told them very shortly and simply that she had made up her mind to separate from tanqueray and live with her uncle uncle be glad to have me she said she explained He'll think more of me if he's not with me. Prothero admitted that it might be likely. It's not, she said, as if I was afraid of his taking up with another woman serious. They wondered had she heard. I can trust him with Mrs. Broderick. They thought it strange that she should not consider Mrs. Broderick serious. They said nothing, and in a moment Rose explained, She's like all these writin people. I know em. Yes, said Prothero. We're a poor lot, aren't we? It was a mercy that she didn't take it seriously oh you you're different she had always had a very clear perception of his freedom from the literary taint but mrs Broderick now she doesn't care for him she's not likely to she'll never care for anybody but herself what makes you think so well a woman who could walk off like that and leave her little children to say nothing of her husband isn't it said prothero what you're proposing to do yourself i haven't got any little children she's leaving her husband to get away from him to please herself i'm leaving mine to bring him to me she paused pensive oh no i'm not afraid of mrs broderick she hasn't got a heart no not what i should call a heart perhaps not said laura i used to hate her when she came about the place leastways i tried to hate her and i couldn't she meditated in their silence if it's got to be anybody it'd best be her she's given him all she's got to give and he sees how much it is he goes to her i know and he'll keep on going and she she'll hold him off and on i can see her doing of it and i don't care as long as she holds him she keeps other women off of him their silence marveled at her time and again i've cried my eyes out and that's no good i've got said rose to look at it sensible she's really keeping him for me downstairs alone with laura she revealed herself more fully i dare say he won't ever ask me to come back she said but once i've gone out of the house for good and all he'll come to me now and again he's bound to you see she's no good to him and maybe if i was to have a child i might she sighed but in her eyes there kindled a dim hope shining through tears what i shall miss is working for him her mouth trembled her tears fell. End of chapter sixty five. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.